When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of GC Live Talking Tuesday Nights. He's intern Joe. I'm Mike Yuva. And boys and girls, we are a week into camp now. Day five for the Gamecocks. They finished up practice today, and they'll be off tomorrow. They'll be back in the practice field on Thursday. That's also when we'll be able to hear from the defensive players, at least a selected few. We had a chance to be able to listen to a few of the offensive players today. Tight end Trey Knox also had... Center Vershawn Lee and also running back the carry on joiner spoke with the media today. We will get into that shortly. Also had a chance to be able to catch up with some of the players last week on Thursday at USC's media day before they hit the practice field this past Friday. Lot to get into tonight, Joe, yeah. right? We have a camp to get into. I want to share the thoughts on what some of the players had to say today about Dow logins and I get it. I understand it's talking season right now, so take everything with a great assault. But at the same time, too, I thought there were a lot of things positive to take away from these guys on what we're hearing from about Dow Loggins, as well as when you talk to people that are close to the program and what they envisioned, at least this deep into camp. And then the other thing, too, I want to get into recruiting, of course. And then uh, I want to talk about NIL and Garnet Trust. Uh, there were tweets over the weekend, of course, and it stirred up. It, let's just put it for let's just say for what it was. Okay. It created a little buzz. But at the same time, too, I think it's something that it is a big nothing burger moving forward. And we'll we'll get into that. But I do have some thoughts on that. I do have some thoughts. Let's start with camp though. Let's start with camp. I know you're back home right now. Yep. So you've been following along. Uh Spencer Rattler at this point is doing everything that you would hope that he would do. He's protecting the ball in practice. He is taking on more of a leadership role. And as we saw yesterday with that ball during that one-on-one drill that we posted to Joshua Simon, he is throwing some dimes out there. I know that was one clip, but he's been doing this the first couple of days of practice. Got to love that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this camp feels different for for me, for Spencer, I mean, he feels comfortable and you can tell, um, you know, he, he's ready to go out and, and do something about and not improve that last year towards the end of the year wasn't just a fluke. Um, you can kind of sense it about him. And, you know, I think this is the most comfortable we've seen Spencer Rattler in his career, college career um, at South Carolina. He's had the year to settle down and he's gotten used to Dallas offense. He's gotten to see a lot of that, Mike. And it's we're, we'll talk about that later. Um, we'll get into Dowell in a second, but I mean, for me at least, I think Spencer's really, really, really comfortable, and that's exactly what you want to see out of your returning transfer quarterback. 
he's made himself at home and it's pretty evident. Um, so I'm definitely excited to see that obviously through that great ball that we saw that clip, um, everywhere on Twitter and whatnot. You can only take so much out of practice when you do go see it from a media perspective, but everything I'm hearing about Spencer hearing and seeing from afar are very, very positive. And like I said, just comfortable, Mike. And that's a great thing to say. Yeah. That clip in particular, I'm going to pull it up right now. Give you the whole practice that we had a chance. Well, I say whole practice, the six periods that the media was able to observe at least yesterday and then today's practice was closed off to the media but as i mentioned before we had a chance to be able to listen to some of the offensive players speak but i'll pull up that video that you talked about though joe yeah and also well we we have plenty of yeah we have plenty of highlights to show from the last couple days question do you think with Rattler not being talked about this offseason makes him more dangerous because he has everything to prove. Yeah, I think so. And we can get into one thing too, that we should throw in there are the coaches poll uh, rankings that came out and just some overall thoughts on that, but kind of foreshadowing a little bit of what I'm going to say when we talk about the coaches poll, in a sense, I think it's a good thing that no one's, I won't say no one, but people aren't talking about Rattler Outside of Columbia, people aren't talking about Rattler the same way. Now, I think heading into last season, there were a lot of people that started to write him off. And the problem was, when you say write off, where's that line? Like, I don't think some people thought the guy just sucked. I think there were some people that felt like, okay, he's not as good as the hype, right? I think there were some people that probably thought he was closer to that suck feeling just because he lost out the starting quarterback job at Oklahoma. But as we've mentioned numerous times, the guy that he was getting replaced by, Caleb Williams, if you were following high school football, this was one of those players coming out of high school. They were saying, you know, as a once in a generational type player, what happens? Goes to Southern Cal, wins the Heisman last year. So, you know, look, I think Rattler, when he came here last year, he had that chip on his shoulder and I'm sure he felt in his mind that, okay, I'm only going to come to South Carolina one year. I'm going to prove people wrong and I'm going to be able to go to the NFL draft, right? Things didn't work out that way for multiple reasons. And it wasn't just on Rattler, but some of that is on him. And I'm sure he'd be the first one to tell you that starting with being able to protect the football, this camp though. And again, talking with players, I mean, should we can go back to Marion Brown at uh, media day. We could talk about, Trey Knox and what he said about Rattler today. There's just a different sense of confidence. And as Knox pointed out to, that stems from, he's given a lot of credit to Dal Loggins in just the way that he's calling plays and what he is giving from a leash standpoint to Rattler. Now, this is the honeymoon phase. This is the honeymoon phase. What happens? What happens when shit hits the fan at some point? Because that's football. Right. I mean, adversity is going to hit at some point, whether that's week one, week two, whatever the case may be. What does that leash look like at that point? As far as where we are right now, though, again, it's the honeymoon phase. But Dow's given Rattler enough leash to the point where he's going out there and he's just being himself. And so far, the early reports are and we've seen some of it. And a lot of it is, you know, you, you hear from people that are close to the program 
is that he is performing to the level that they were hoping that he would be performing to returning for that second year. Yeah, and taking hold of the team as well, really stepping into that leadership role. I know, obviously, he was in one last year just because of who he was, but, I mean, this year certainly feels like he's earned it, um, just everything he's done on and off the field for guys. Um, like I said, everything positive. He just seems comfortable, and that's exactly what you want. He's making – he's putting down roots in Columbia. He, you know, actually wants to be here, and you've kind of seen him embrace it over the last couple months – especially towards the last couple months of that season last year, obviously he saw what the city will do for a winning ball club. So um, I, I, I love this out of Spencer. I think it's a great thing. And um, going, touching on Trey Knox a little bit, electric character. Um, he, he had a really good interview at media. I, I don't know if you can call it really good, Mike, you were looking at the the video from media days, but Trey Knox really, really, really fun person. And just, I loved the way he was talking about Spencer as well. Just, again, seems really comfortable and really at home in this offense. And Dowell, getting to Dowell, I mean, Dowell's seen a lot of characters in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And so for him to be able to, you know, kind of coach Spencer in the way that an NFL quarterback would be coached, I think that's that's huge. And I think that's part of the reason why Spencer stayed as well. Um, and he's certainly embracing all of it. So a couple of things. You see Stone Bland, he was off to the side in yesterday's practice. Uh, for the portion that we were there. So when they went on 11-on-11, he wasn't out there. I know Wes Mitchell, and you'll see some of the 11-on-11 right now. Mo Cobble, one of the other players, uh, Juice Wells, was held off to the side. Uh, for all three of those guys, you know, nothing I would say to be alarmed about as far as week one is concerned. I mean, we have what? I mean, today's August 8th. We have less than a month to go until that first game of the season, but I wouldn't say anything. This is a guy, and I know we're going to talk about the catch, though, mm -hmm. from Joshua, Joshua Simon. You see Sellers out there yesterday as well during the 11-on-11 period. This is the third team reps, um, but he's making the most out of it. Is Simon is just a physical, and I said this yesterday at Gamecock Central, and here's the pass. Let's go. Let's pause this for a second. But Simon is just a physical physical tight end uh and when you combine that with what you're about to see if you haven't seen the play by now this is the play that just it blew up all over social media yesterday beautiful throw by spencer rattler phenomenal finish by joshua simon in the back of the end zone and another thing too kilgore the freshman yeah there was only two one-on-one -on -one attempts at least in this period it was a sudden change period which means they're doing one drill they try to do something just real quick to throw something in there just a quick you know changes like in, in a game right you could have a, a block kick you could have a turnover right your, your guys need to be able to respond and go out there quickly that's why you see these sudden change periods happen so often and not just college football pro football high school does it as well but during this there was just two one-on-ones and this was the second one. I bring that up because it just shows you the confidence this coaching staff has in Kill Gore. Now, I understand he didn't, he wasn't able to break up the pass, but it was such a good throw. And I'll break it down. You can be able to see Kill Gore's attempt and how close like he really was. Space on that, Mike. I mean, Kill Gore shut him down for the most part, and then Spencer decided to. I mean, just look at that throw. Yeah, there's not much. I, don't have, I wish I had like the true coach's remote here. 
Josh Simon's a very, very big dude. That's one thing I, I realized at media days is that he's he's lengthy. He's got a lot of length to him. So, I mean, watch for him um, in goal line sets and stuff, kind of looking that fade route or something like that. Like He's just big, tall, lengthy. And then you pair him up with Trey Knox, I think, tight end. Coming into this year, tight end was a big question mark for South Carolina. Now, obviously, we're seeing what um, – I mean, this is just a great play all the way around. Now, I can tell you this. I can tell you this, just the defensive back in me. I'd love to know what Tory and Gray said to Kilgore because naturally, right, even though this is a tremendous rep by him, when you're talking to especially a freshman, you want to be able to find ways to make every moment a teaching moment. So, and you can't see it here because you – I had the camera on Rattler to start start the play. My question would be, what was Kilgore's first two steps like? Right. And I say that, you know, again, just for a teaching moment. Um, I'm sure if there's anything Torian Gray would have said is, you know, you just got to try to hold him up at the line just a little bit longer. Because in college, you have that five-yard uh, window to be able to bump a little bit, and it could throw off the timing a little bit. But again, as I mentioned, Joshua Simon, just a physical, physical player. And that's me nitpicking because, again, Kilgore, phenomenal rep right there. It was just a beautiful throw, beautiful catch, just a beautiful play all the way around. Um, but yeah, yeah Joshua Simon, he he's is someone, though, Joe, that I feel like, you know, you have Trey Knox out there. We've talked about the wide receivers. Obviously, that starts with Juice Wells. Marion Brown, I feel like, can have a big impact. You see Nicholas Harbor out there, and he uh, he's as advertised when it comes to the size out there. Shocker, a guy that's 6'5", 250-plus is big. But um, I, also, I also like seeing out there from a wide receiver standpoint, um, Xavier Leggett. I also like seeing, you know, Eddie Lewis running around a little bit. Don't know exactly what the plans will be for him. Landon Sampson and A.B. were the ones that were back returning punts as far as yesterday was concerned. Interested to see if Eddie Lewis will be in the mix there. But, I mean, look, I think, again, this is this is just early camp, right? I mean, we're going to get high on stuff that it's so early still to say about certain things. But they were protecting the football. It sounds like from how today's practice went and how the other practices have been, they've been doing that well, and they're not shooting themselves in the foot. And from an offensive standpoint, that's massive when you have a new offensive coordinator. Third offensive coordinator in the past four years. I don't think that gets talked about enough when you talk about South Carolina football. To carry on Joyner, I mean, you want to talk about musical chairs with OCs. Goodness, goodness. Different positions, nevertheless, but different OCs. So – Again, early reports out of Gamecock preseason camp. Things are looking good. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's preseason camp. What are you going to do? I was going to say, there's only so many takeaways you can take from from camp. Um, I mean, you're getting video from from media people, and like, I mean, it's not like we're all up in the sidelines and taking in all of it. Um, so, I mean, they're playing each other in pads. It's kind of hard to, you know, take anything of substance from that. But, I mean. All this means, Mike, is that we're that much closer to week one. No, it is. And I will say this, just adding some takeaways as well, just from the last couple of days of practice. 
I mentioned Simon, just how physical he was out there. We talk about the running game. And one thing that I know that on this program, we've talked about at nauseum is how the offensive line needs to come together quickly, right? I mean, you have talented guys up front, whether it be players who are veteran players at USC or they have experience at other schools and they're coming in, starting with a guy like Nick Gargiulo. But where I think South Carolina could get an added boost to help their run game is because they're so physical on the perimeter. That starts with Justin Stepp in the way that he teaches his receivers to be when it comes to stock blocking and just blocking out on the perimeter. But you also talk about Jody Wright. And when I saw Simon out there, as well as when I think back to the spring game with Trey Knox, we've picked on him before, right? And I think it was like the first or second play of the game. He missed a screen block. Uh, But then later on in the scrimmage, he had a beautiful block. So I say that because Knox is certainly capable of being someone that can block out on the perimeter. Simon, again, just looking at him in practice yesterday, that guy is just a physical freak when it comes to just being on the field out there on offense for USC. They can get a boost with their perimeter blocking. And I think that's something that we saw not consistently last season. I felt like it got better probably towards that SC State and Charlotte week, and it consistently got better at times. Kind of went up and down, but when when it was good, it was good. It was good for a game, but then it would dip down. So I bring that up because we we sit here, we talk about the offensive line, which, again, I'm going to be talking about the O-line probably all preseason. We could talk about the running back room, the lack of proven depth. But, man, that perimeter blocking – it won't get talked about probably at all, at least in the preseason. That is something to pay attention to. If this team could be physical on the outside, you have Juju McDowell, you have to carry on Joyner. You have guys back there too, like Nicholas Harbor, right? Maybe he's taking a jet sweep screen game, short passes. They're all extension of the run game. If you get out onto the perimeter with this team, can they be as physical as it appears, at least on paper that they can be? And if they can, that's just going to give such a added boost to the South Carolina running back room that desperately, desperately needs. And then I said running back room, again, screen passes, all that stuff, it's an extension of the run game, but you get the picture. The yeah. run game, it needs as much help as they can get up front, perimeter, wherever. Yeah, I mean, if you can block on the perimeter, it adds that dimension of the run game, and I think with how spread out ability-wise South Carolina's running back room is right now, you need that extra dimension. You need the ability – to get the ball to Juju McDowell in space, get the ball to DK Joyner in space, and maybe even Nick Harbour on some jet sweeps. I feel like we'll see that. Not a whole lot, but, I mean, we'll see it for sure, um, certainly in the game plan somewhere. But, I mean, I, I agree, Mike. I think that adds that extra dimension of being able to get to the outside. And, and with so many different personalities in the running back room, you have to be able to do that well if you want to find success in the SEC with the running attack that you're putting forth. I'm going to change things up here a little bit. I'm going to share a different screen. I mentioned that Trey Knox, the carry on join and Vershawn Lee, they all spoke with the media today. The biggest takeaway was just their overall thoughts on how Dal Loggins has made such an impact since he has got here. I did a little package on it today. I'm going to try to cut the front part of it off because You don't really need to see me setting the scene because I'm setting the scene for you right now, but you'll hear some of the added stuff in there in the middle. Um, 
of the of the package that I had. But just listen to how these guys talk about Dal and just their overall thoughts on what he's been able to do so far since arriving here. He brings this, uh, this certain kind of fire and this juice to our side of the ball that just gets everybody going. For the third time in four years, South Carolina has a new OC. And so far, it sounds like Loggins is building a good rapport with his players. Coach Loggins is uh, doing a good job of um, allowing us to just play. Um, I think he's doing a good job of allowing us to, uh, whatever plays we're comfortable with, uh, being able just to execute them as much as possible, uh, putting us in the best situations with the plays that we know best. Right now, we're starting to gel. We're starting to get more reps together. So starting to understand each other's tendencies and different things where each other can help and lift each other up. But it's not just Loggins building relationships with players directly. He's also helping units grow within their own room. He just made sure that we found a way to get into the building. Like, as an offensive line, we knew, like, getting into the building just in a a lot of time wouldn't be enough. So, as an O-line, we worked together and made sure we got in the building a lot extra, talk to each other, walk throughs, go over plays, and understand the scheme. Making the job of others, starting with quarterback Spencer Rattler, hopefully easier as they continue to tackle this new chapter together. He's, uh, you know, filling the shoes and running the show a lot better. This, uh, this camp having really, really good practices. And I think that's just credit to Coach Loggins, you know, coaching him up and letting him feel confident, feel like he can just, you know, do whatever he wants to, man, um, as long as it's the right decision. And he's been protecting the ball a lot better. Um, and I think that was that was like his number one emphasis was to value the ball highly. So that's just a little something from today. Again, all three players that you saw on the screen, those are the three that spoke with the media. So not a big group, but at the same time, too, I think it's hard not to look at what DeCarion Joyner said there about the offense. I'm going to go back, just pull up the quote here to make sure I'm saying it correctly. His exact quote was, and this is DK, again, just bringing up what he mentioned. Quote, Coach Loggins is doing a good job of allowing us to just play. I think he's doing a good job of calling whatever plays we're comfortable with and just letting us execute them as best as possible. He's putting us in the best situations with the plays we know to give us the best opportunity to be successful. Now, again, this is four days going on day five before the practice was held in the afternoon at 235 this afternoon four practices in and that's how dk feels about dow Loggins. it's a small sample size small sample size however however going back to last year right think back to the majority of the season think back to the majority of the season outside of tennessee and in clemson What did we constantly hear throughout the entire season? Throughout the entire season. And maybe the players didn't say it directly, right? There were times that you could tell that, you know, certain players felt certain ways about things. I think, you know, I don't want to bring up a player too, but there were times where they kind of hinted at, yeah, this playbook's a little too much, or we got too much here, or what? why are we doing this, okay? It seems like it is the complete opposite. Complete opposite. And even though this is a new team, new problems, right? New question marks. Like every team has to address each year. 
if you were hearing these things from this team last year, say, I don't know, midway through the year, I don't know how many fans would feel like this team would lose again. Just because, again, when they show – the point being is this. This is everything. This is everything that this fan base, the majority of the fan base, and even some of the players, were complaining about last year. Why not make things – why not simplify things more? It's too complex. Just let us go out there and play, right? We heard the whole the, – the quote from Eric Douglas last year. Right, and I'm, and I'm paraphrasing here, but basically just letting them call the plays and being able to go out there and let us do what we do best. So to hear that, again, like I was saying about Rattler, it's easy right now when we're in this phase, the honeymoon phase. What happens when shit hits the fan, which it will happen. It's football. It's going to happen at some point, regardless of the week. But it sounds like Dow is just letting these guys play. So to hear DK say that, someone that has gone through three, three different offensive coordinators during his time, maybe even four, I have to go back now to do all the math. Go way back now. Could be a fourth one in there. He's gone through OCs left and right. I think this is positive. Gamecock fans, you wanted a change at OC. And again, it's the honeymoon phase. What more... Could you be asking for at this stage from your OC? You hear that from DK. DK, he's gone through more freaking OCs than, I don't know. Yeah. People, I I don't know, Joe. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that stuck out to me, everything that DK said is like, he summed it up that Dowell is calling plays that they are comfortable running. Right, and we rem- everyone remembers the the clip from Josh Van and Darius Rush talking about how they like Marcus Satterfield was calling plays that they weren't comfortable running in spots that they probably hadn't run the play in practice for weeks. From everything I gathered from DK, it's pretty much the exact opposite of that. And I think it. I mean, it wasn't an intentional jab or anything like that, but I mean, what he said was the exact opposite of the complaints that you know were going on with the offense last year. So it's a nice breath of fresh air. Still in the honeymoon phase, like you said. Like we'll we'll see what happens. Like it's it's gonna hit the fan eventually with this Dowell Loggins offense. When I mean we don't know that's football, but I agree. I, I'm I mean the comments by by DK and everyone on the offense today about Dowell it gives you more hope. And I mean obviously he's a good recruiter. We've seen that already. The only thing left to do is call call the place. Like it's the only yeah. thing left to do. So we'll see. You're seeing more from practice the other day, kind of giving you a look. I mean, we've been talking about how how big DeCarion Joyner has been looking. I think he's about 230 now. SEC running back, Mike. What's that? I said he looks like an SEC running back. He does. He does. 230. You see Rattler out there. I mean, the guy. another thing, too, that I want to mention, Jordan Strawn was moving around well mm-hmm. in practice yesterday. And the edge position, as we know, I mean, I, I really like watching Desmond Ubiozulu. You know, if, whether or not he gets called upon early this year and establishes a role in the rotation or not, he has so much potential. Just seeing him out there, everything that Sterling Lucas was talking about him in the spring, you can see it. The effort, just the little things. He's not jogging. 
He's moving. He's moving around. He's moving around from drill to drill, the way that you would expect a veteran player to. And I know that sounds so silly, right? Just kind of just the little thing, but just something as small as that as a freshman, it goes a long way, and it stands out to coaches too. So I would not be shocked to see him get into the rotation. And Travian Robertson, you can just see how much the players respect him especially his positional group just because he he's he's very hands-on I love Jimmy Lindsay and I'll say that and you know continue thoughts and prayers with Jimmy had a, a little health scare last week continuing to pray for him down in Baton Rouge but Robertson he's just he's more hands-on he's just more hands-on you could see the players really are taking a liking to that um but it was good. It was good to see Jordan Strawn move around out there. Um, Terrell Dawkins, it feels like he's still battling something with that injury, but he's moving around as you got the 60-minute ticker in the background. But, yeah, I mean, I think, look, I think right now there are a lot of positives coming out of camp. But then again, it's preseason camp. And I don't want to just keep saying that. Um, anything else, Joe? I mean, you've been going back. I don't know if you've looked through some of the interviews, quotes from this past week. Anything else stand out to you that you want to hit on? or? I mean, not necessarily. I think this defensive end room I talked with Terrell Dawkins at Media Days. Um, I think this defensive end room has potential to be really, really, really good. And nobody's talking about it. Um, a healthy Terrell Dawkins and a healthy Jordan Strawn are really, really really good players. Um, so I think if they can get healthy and stay healthy, um, I think they're going to surprise some people. I think the defensive line, I think that's – or the defensive tackles at least, um, people are starting to kind of wake up on. Obviously, you got Boogie and you got um, Tonka in there for you. So people are starting to, you know, give some credit there. But, I mean, this entire defensive line, including the edge and D-tackle, they've, they've got everything to prove. I mean, they're all stepping into roles – that they weren't in last season. So um, I, I think watch out for the defensive ends. They're not going to be – if everyone stays healthy, I think they're going to be better than everyone thinks. Um, and then the wide receiver room, it's going to be fun to see who shakes out into the top three. Um, you've got a lot of really talented guys in that room. Juice, A.B., Xavier Leggett, Nick Harbour. Um, so a lot of talent there. Eddie Lewis as well could make some noise. So um, the top three out of the wide receivers, it's going to be interesting to see who shakes out there. And, um, plenty of questions about the offensive line, but um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much everything I'm taking from camp so far. And then Spencer being comfortable, obviously. Before we hit the ad read, offensive line wise, these guys are gelling. These guys are gelling, and a lot of it has to do with the fact that you have someone like Gargiulo that has experience and he understands what it takes to win. He understands what it takes to win. He's had success at Yale. He's a Captain, the only captain for the Bulldogs last year. So coming here and being able to work with guys that are that have that same mindset, and Gargiulo mentioned that, guys like him and Vershawn Lean, you'll see this clip towards the end. The reason I'm showing this clip before we hit our ad reads, out of all the players that we've posted on Gamecock Central from Media Day, and we haven't had a chance to post everyone yet, but to carry on Joyner, Rattler, right? Some pretty big name guys. Pup, Howard. Gargiulo had the most views. 
So people want to hear what this guy is saying. And when you listen to him, when you listen to him, you can see why that's the case. Just listen to some of the things that he talked about, talked about the other day. Um, and then we'll hit our ad reads, but it's this mindset that has allowed this unit to find ways to build that rapport quickly right now. That's something that, you know, Lonnie Teasley mentioned two weeks ago that this unit really needs to be able to come together quickly because like we've mentioned, there's talent there, but they haven't played together as a unit. You're losing some talented guys from a year ago. You have to replace guys who have played together. And regardless of your thoughts on what the O-line was last year, there's a lot of snaps that you're losing from a starting standpoint. So these guys need to come together quickly. And this gives you kind of just a look at what's going on behind the scenes to help these guys get there. Down here, I wanted to see how Coach Beamer operated. I want to see how Coach Luke Day operated and then Coach Teasley and Coach Atkins. And, you know, once those three people checked the boxes, which happened in the first 10 minutes I was down here, I, I knew this was the place for me. I hope uh, I could excel at both of them, but I, you know, I'm going to identify things that I need to improve on and, and I'll, you know, continue to get better at that over the next month. Thanks, sir. Great meeting you. What up, Mike? How are you? I think uh, the key word you said there was just comfortable, right? I, uh, you know, I've built relationships uh, in the six, eight months that I've been down here already with the group of guys that's here. And, and we have a real solid core um, of guys here uh, that want to get better and want to continue to grow their game. And so when you have guys that have alignment in their vision, it's easy to, to get along and it's easy to, to accomplish things that you want. Heading into this camp compared to, you know, last year, right? I mean, you're heading into the SEC and yep. you're, you're one sleep away from being able to get that yep. first practice under your belt. The, uh, the nerves are always there because, you know, what you're going to go through the next three weeks is, is the toughest portion of being a football player. Um, but I'm excited for it. Uh, and like I said, we have a lot of potential in the room. And you continue to get better over the next month, and, and you take the biggest jumps during this time. So I'm excited to see how it pans out. I've talked with Lonnie Teasley about that. I feel like from a talent standpoint, you guys have plenty open in the offensive line room, but there's just unproven talent because you guys haven't worked together. How do you overcome that as quickly as possible so that come week one against a Power 5 team that you guys will be able to be in sync as best you can? You make practice harder than the games. And so I, I think over the next three weeks, practice is going to be real tough. There's going to be periods where um, you expose the things you're not necessarily good at yet, and then you continue to hone in on your skills. And by the time the game rolls around, you've been through it, you know, 21 times, you should be ready to go. Guys like Rashawn and some of your teammates – your chops a little bit because it's not as you know, it's a little bit warmer than New Haven at this time of the year. Yeah, well, listen, I, he is a Vershawn is over here. Yeah, pan this guy. 
he's just ripping me to the other reporters. I don't know what's going on here. No, I don't know, man. He was just making jokes and whatnot. And so a lot of jokes are coming from this guy, and he's not really that funny. So but he, I don't lined, know what... he lined it up. Though. What? He asked, he's talking about, like, you know, the situation. Yeah, so as you can tell, we don't get along at all. And, yeah, no, I don't you know, really like it's this not, uh, We don't mesh that well. Yeah, he's, uh, he's actually been fantastic since I've been down here. Um, and we've really synced up in, in the core and the interior of the O-line playing together now for – six months so I'm, I'm excited to see what he's able to do how do you guys do that how do you guys build that relationship as quickly as possible because again you know there, there's talent these guys that have played either here at usc or played at other schools like yourself but you guys haven't played together how do you overcome that quickly um i think it's just spending time together like me and nick we spend time together we went on trips together we've been to um dallas so just being around each other more than like usual like I see Nick more than I see a lot of my family members all the time. I talk to Nick more than I talk to all my family. So just being around them a lot just builds the relationship and helps it grow faster than what you would expect. So that's what that's what we did. Put a lot of time into it. Awesome, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Before we get into more content, let's go to our ads real quick. Um, let's move kickoff party. Yeah, we'll take the kickoff party down the report back up. But our first uh, sponsor is from Liberty Tax Intern, Joe. Yeah, absolutely. Tax ID is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. The tax team at Liberty Tax in Irmo, Lexington, and Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call the tax team at Liberty Tax. Fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to the Liberty Tax Team to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you. Locally owned and operated, staffed by tax professionals from your neighborhood, open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start through the Liberty Tax mobile app or through their desktop portal, make an appointment, or just walk in, give a call to upload your tax documents, and when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call at 803-462-5576. Once again, their number is 803-462-5576. Today's show is also brought to you by Movement Mortgage. Clint Hammond, he's our guy. Longtime sponsor of not just Gamecock Central, but these GC Live programs. He can help you out, right? How much, how much home can you afford? Uh, what's the right mortgage for you? And looking to make a payment, the rates, all that kind of stuff. He will be able to help you out the same way that he helped out our own Wes Mitchell, as well as former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth. Give Clint a call. You see that number at the top of your screen, 803-771-6933. Biggest takeaway from just watching that clip is just seeing those two guys, and it starts with them. It really does. It starts with Vershawn, to be honest. But those two guys having the experience right obviously Gargiulo has experience at another school but Vershawn understanding the importance of hey look I gotta be a good teammate here I gotta welcome this guy in and obviously Gargiulo you come in just make sure that you're just not a jackass you know and uh it seems like from just listening to those guys they're mel- they're they're gelling well they're meshing together and it it trickles down to the younger guys and it gets overlooked right now, but when you have the talented guys like Aluatos and Bubalade, the Marky Andersons, right? 
Tim Pringle and all of them Tim, coming in too. Right. But the guys that are there right now, they're learning from the upperclassmen. They see what's going on and it becomes a habit. I've talked to Shane Beamer about this in the past and how important that was with that transition because when he came in here, and there's still some players, right? I know people like to say from the must champ era, they're must champ guys. But you have players from a different regime and you have to change certain mindsets and mentalities because you are trying to create something different. It's like when you bring in a new boss, right? New CEO, uh, new general manager, whatever the case may be. At the end of the day, the goal's the same, right? For football, you want to continue to win, but there's going to be a shift in terms of how you do things. So being able to have guys understand that, embrace that early on the first two seasons in the Shane Beamer era, massive, but at the same time, too, it needs to continue. And Vershawn understands that. Vershawn's continuing to be a leader, the leader that this South Carolina team desperately needs up front as he makes the move over to center. But it's also good to see Gargiulo being himself, right? Again, he's a natural leader. He was the only captain for Yale last year. We're not talking about, you know, TikTok tech. We're talking about uh, an Ivy League school that has so much history. You could go across the pond, wherever the heck you are, and everyone's going to know where Yale is. So I think that really is a good sign to see with that offensive line unit meshing well together. And, and Vershawn Lee mentioned it today, too. Dal Loggins, bringing it back to Dal, he told him, you only have X amount of hours with us. You guys are going to have to put the added time in yourself. The A lot of time that you have with us, that's great, but you got to go off and do it on your own. And a lot of these players are going back to the building, especially the offensive line as a unit. They're doing walkthroughs. They're just talking ball. They're getting a better understanding of just tendencies of the guy next to him, left tackle, right guard, whatever the case may be. Wherever they are on the offensive line, they're getting a better understanding of the guy left and right of them. So, again, th these are the little things. How do you overcome the challenge of being able to get on the same page as quickly as possible as an O-line? You do these little things, Joe. This yeah. is what we talked about all offseason. They're fine. It's, good, it's a good start right now for them. Yeah, and Vershawn's setting the culture for years to come, right? Like he's – He's laying the foundation in, in the big trees, you know, these freshman group that are in here for the guys that are coming up afterwards, right? So you have, obviously, we talked about how good the offensive line recruiting class is in 2024. Um, so you have Cam Pringle, you've got Josiah Thompson all coming in. So for Vershawn Lee, it's, you know, really what do you want South Carolina, like the offensive line to be about for, for years to come? Because these guys are going to carry it on. Obviously, the freshmen will, will pick up where, where they left off. So um, I, I think it's a big job for Vershawn Lee. I think he's ready for it. Obviously, getting the move to center. Um, it's it's really his room. It's Gargiulo's room as well. He's come in, and the culture's been great. So far, so good everything that we're hearing. Let's transition over to recruiting real quick. Yeah. So over the week in South Carolina, they were able to pick up a – talented there's no other way to put it because he doesn't have stars next to him because he's in the class of 2026 with landon duckworth but he is a guy who is a dual threat quarterback big talented guy who when you're talking about just being able to find the end zone he did plenty of it he did plenty of it his freshman season i'm gonna pull up the stats right now for you also be able to show his highlights 
But South Carolina was able to pick him up. And I understand that some people aren't going to get super excited about it because it's like, okay, it's class of 26. Here's the thing, though. You look at where USC is right now. They don't have anyone for the class of 2025. They're obviously still working on their class of 2024. If the coaching staff is as high as some of this fan base is on someone like Lenora Sellers, and then you also have a four-star quarterback in Dante Reno arriving in January, you have two very talented quarterbacks that you're going to be building your future around for the next couple of years. Okay. Does that mean you stop there when it comes to recruiting quarterbacks? Certainly not. However, being able to get a head start on that position in particular is massive. It's huge, especially when you have seen players, especially at that position, get recruited. It feels like earlier and earlier and earlier. I don't know. I mean, there's always going to be outliers. You'll always see someone, right? Some. Some guy maybe get recruited as a freshman or whatever the case may be. We've seen, I think it's ridiculous, middle school. But the point being is that position, kind of like a, a pitcher, you're projecting. You're projecting. But by South Carolina recruiting him right now, all you're doing, and the fact that he's committed right now, he's the one that committed to you. The fact that that happens right now, you're not losing anything. You're not losing it. What's the worst thing? What's the worst thing that could happen? He decommits at some point between now and December of 2025, right? That's the worst thing that could happen. But we're so far away from that. I mean, we're already we're still talking about the class of 2024 for South Carolina. Yep. We're still talking about how they could be potentially signing a four-star running back in the yep. next two weeks. So I say that because this is very good. This is very good. Six foot three, 187 pounds. Uh, as a freshman, he threw for nearly 2,000 yards, 20 touchdowns, also rushed for 355 yards, eight touchdowns. So you could see why he is considered one of the higher rated players in this region, despite the fact that no one in the class of 2026 has stars yet. So, uh, again, Seeing his commitment, seeing what he's able to do, it should excite you that South Carolina is thinking about that position right now and that they're starting to build towards the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, I think with this kid, you're kind of taking a flyer on him, right? I mean, there's so much upside and so much potential that, I mean, why not go after him? Um, and then obviously he's committed, so he's, you know, pretty much locked in. Um, but I mean, yeah, a lot of arm talent out of this kid. I haven't really watched a whole lot of his film because the commitment happened while I was, he's, just, he's well, and I don't want to compare arm talent and this and that, because it's because I haven't seen him in person. Sellers can, can thread the needle. There's no question about it. There's no question about it. And even Reno has, the ability to scramble a little bit. So I say that because it just goes to show you that South Carolina is recruiting a certain style, right? Being able, and that's where the game's going. You need to be able to have a quarterback that can have some mobility. I, I think back to just the last couple of years, just reading the forum and seeing some of the comments 
right? Obviously, Rattler is here now. But my point being is there are some people saying, man, like, you know, we need someone that can just move a little bit, this and that. That's where the game is. And it also kind of foreshadows a little bit because, I mean, Jody Wright was the regional recruiter in this to be able to land Duckworth. But at the same time, too, you also had your offensive coordinator, Dal Loggins, involved with the recruiting process of Duckworth. So I point that out because it gives you, again, an idea of perhaps what South Carolina could be doing offensively in the next couple of years, at least what Dal Loggins might have as a vision for the future. Now, again, one step at a time, we'll see what happens this year. First and foremost, what happens once Rattler isn't here, right? The things get shaken up a little bit, but again, I really like just the idea of looking ahead because there's really, there's, there's nothing negative that can come out of this. Nothing. Yeah. Absolutely not. And I think, you know, uh, the fact that, you know, he's so mobile and you talk about like setting up for quarterbacks of the future and stuff like that, the fact that he's so mobile should excite South Carolina fans. Obviously mobile quarterbacks are fun to watch. Spencer Rattler being one of them, Lenore Sellers as well. So definitely exciting stuff. All right. Two players I want to talk to, and then we're going to talk some NIL, Garnet Trust, some stuff that took place over the weekend. I want to just get some thoughts off my chest. And then we're going to be moving on from that. Because I think with that, again, leave it in the rear view mirror and just keep on moving forward. All right? It doesn't need to continue to get brought up. It doesn't. But I just feel like something needs to be said about it, and then we move on. That's how we handle things here. South Carolina missed on two players over the weekend. Jonathan Paler and then Jalua Solomon. As far as Solomon is concerned, and I can tell you from... You know, being in the, the the weeds when it comes to all this stuff, being in the thick of things. It looked like it was a done deal that Solomon was coming to South Carolina, but at as of 345, his commitment was set to take place at four. And as we all know, that got pushed back, got delayed, and he ultimately decided to go elsewhere. Uh, Jonathan Paler, that commitment, it wasn't shocking to see him go to NC State if you were following along on Gamecock Central. For the last, I'd say, week and a half leading up to that commitment, just because of how much the Wolfpack were coming on strong with him in terms of trying to get him to flip. And I say flip, obviously, he didn't make a commitment yet to USC, but they were clearly, they were clearly the front runners. And then NC State being able to have him on their campus the same night that South Carolina had their big cookout weekend. Uh, was massive for the Wolfpack. So those two players chose to go elsewhere. Talking about Garnet Trust now, okay? Because these things go together, but they don't. I've had talks with the individual who had the tweet out, and I don't want to call him out by name. Some people will automatically know who it is. It's not my place to be trying to get people, you know, riled up over certain people. Bottom line is this, and I had the conversation with this individual. And I'll share some of those thoughts that I had with him. But I'm not going to ear everything out. At the end of the day, what they tweeted, I think a lot of people look at and they say, you know what? He's not wrong. But at the same time, too, I think 
the majority of the fan base, and it's not just this fan base, I'm sure any fan base, they just don't want to hear that from a collective. They don't want to hear that. And the image it could portray of the timing when you have two players decide to go elsewhere. Again, talking to this individual, I said, did that have anything to do with why you put that tweet out? And what they said to me was, they said, I wasn't even thinking that at all. I will take their word at face value. So if it had nothing to do with that, but the majority of people out there are looking at that and saying, man, this is why he's putting this out there. And then you have other fan base, then you have Reddit, you have all these other people feeding more oxygen into this. It just created a perfect storm. It created a perfect storm. Bottom line is this. What the Garnet Trust, what these collectives are doing is important for every fan base and every every program out there. Whether you are pro-NIL or anti-NIL, it's not going anywhere anytime soon. It's not. And as I've mentioned before, kind of like a garden, you have a choice. You can either take care of your garden or you can just let it be. But don't bitch if your garden doesn't produce crops. And you see other gardens out there, gardens who in the past you wouldn't even look at. You can't get upset if their gardens start to take off. That's just where we are with things. So again, just looking back to what took place over the weekend, the timing of it, the optics of it did not look good. It did not look good. Where this individual's heart was, was in the right place. But again, the timing of it, I think, made things worse. And what he said, there's things that Shane Beamer has mentioned that are very similar. And I think that's what, you know, from talking to him, that's where his mindset, this is where it was coming from. But again, as a collective, and I relayed this to him, the fan base and fan bases out there, whether it's right or wrong, they don't want to hear that from a collective, right? If if Shane Beamer or Don Staley, Mark Kingston, Lamont Paris, whoever, insert coach's name here, if they say that, that's one thing. That's not necessarily how it all works with NIL, that it's just pay, pay, pay. But you'd have to be naive to believe that money doesn't play a role at some in, in some regard. It's important to have. It helps. So, again, I say all that to lead to this point, which is I think it's a big nothing burger moving forward. Right? I know that the message board, some tweets, people are going to say, oh, you know, other schools are going to use this against us. At the end of the day, there's always been dirty recruiting. I mean, that's that's not going anywhere. This, though, just like we've seen with a lot of stuff, whether it be, you know, in this Gamecock bubble or just in other places, something else is going to pop up. There's going to be a new story, new news cycle. There's a lot of positive things that are coming out, specifically from the Garnet Trust that I can tell you about. Obviously, a lot of you guys already are aware that not this week, but next week at the Gamecock Central kickoff party. You see right there in the bottom of your screen, August 19th at Steel Hands, third annual. Patrick Davis and his Midnight Choir is going to be there. But also, Garnet Truss will be rolling out their new beer, their NIL beer, beer with Steel Hands. 
and proceeds from that are going to go back to the Garnet Trust. So when you buy beer, you can be supporting NIL. Pretty good deal. Appreciate that intern Joe throwing that up there. That's the kickoff party. So again, I say that because that's just one thing. And Xavier, yep, that's the problem. Yep, and I think a lot of people, again, you're going to have people that will just naturally just bitch for the sake of bitching, okay? And I get it. I totally get it. But at the same time, too, when you really look at it, it's just like, in the grand scheme of things, this is something that in a couple weeks people are going to forget. People are going to forget. And as I mentioned before, you have the beer coming out. You saw from this past weekend, didn't amount of people were talking about it. Garnet Trust with Myrtle Beach. You had Spencer Rattler, Luke Doty. You had some of the guys going out there, giving back to the, the community over there. Or from the, um, the week before, excuse me. But I saw the photos come out. I mean, th- these are things that there's going to be a lot of good that's going to come out over the next couple of weeks. But I think with as far as social media and things that should be said and shouldn't be said, I can tell you this was a learning experience from this person who has worked his tail off too. He's worked his tail off. I think there's a lot of things. I mean, shoot, getting, getting things done from a recruiting standpoint, helping South Carolina out from a retention standpoint, there's a lot of misconceptions out there, right? You look at Park Ave deals and this and that. That's all great. But at the end of the day, Park Ave or what getting a de- one deal isn't taking care of every player. It's not taking care of just Spencer Rattler. There's other things that go into that. And I can tell you this individual played a big, big role with being able to help retain Spencer Rattler. I understand Juice Wells has a long list. Looks like a CVS list uh, when you have that receipt. He has a long list of all the NIL deals he has out there. This individual played a big role with being able to retain Juice Wells to be able to come back. So, again, from a timing standpoint, I understand the frustration. But at the same time, too, I think when we look back in a couple weeks from now, this is going to be a nothing burger. But I'm bringing it up not to continue to give it oxygen, but just because I haven't said anything on it. Some people have asked me, were well, you going to say anything? You're just going to ignore it. I don't like just ignoring things. You guys know that. I'll I'll, I'll address things, and we'll continue to move forward. Um, let's see what some of the other comments have been said here. Intern Joe might have to leave. I know he's got he's got a tight out time. Just any thoughts on that, though? I'm going to try to pull up some. I mean, not, nothing really from my end. I saw it all go down, but I, I was kind of late to the party again because I've been home, kind of been off my phone, been out of the loop, so no real opinions on it, if that's a fair answer. But no, and, and we'll just get um, Mark Bryan has come back and played with Patrick. They're friends. So he's not part of the Midnight Choir, but he is an unofficial guest in years past. And uh, I don't know if he'll be there this one. Please, uh, Dennis, ask him, please rec- uh, recap, please. There was a tweet that said something along the lines, and I'm paraphrasing that if a player is choosing the school because of money, you know, then we don't want them here. Something like that, you know, and I'm paraphrasing. 
but it was something along the lines of that. Again, when people hear that, I think a lot of people look at them. They're like, yeah, okay. I, I agree with that. Again, it was the timing. It was the optics because that they, you had two other players come out. And I think there was a lot of people, not just in the Gamecock community, and I don't want to speak for everyone, but there were some of the Gamecock community. And obviously, when you have people that get upset, those voices are going to be louder. And then it went out to other fan bases and college football Reddit got involved. And it made things seem like, oh, South Carolina just has sour grapes. Garnet Trusts in particular has sour grapes because these players went here because, you know, their jobs that just pay players. It doesn't exactly work like that. But again, I talked to this individual that next day we were able to connect some dots for them. They are going to continue to work their tails off to um, to do what they've been doing. They've been making a big, big impact. And I think these next couple months, people are going to see the impact that this individual has been able to make in helping South Carolina get back to a place where they can continue to be in a position to compete high when it comes from an NIL standpoint. Because if you have the NIL money, let's face it, never is a bad thing. It's never a bad thing. Macadina Podcast, always good to have you guys on here. I agree with the tweet too. We aren't going to be a successful program if we try buying players and they transfer every year. We're left with nothing. And it's funny you bring that up because from talking to this individual, they specifically mentioned the Texas A&M situation a year ago. And I think we can all agree Texas A&M, when you're talking about NIL, they have a hell of a lot more money than South Carolina. They just do. And look how things played out just because they were trying to buy players. Right. Allegedly, let me throw that alleged word in there so that all the Aggies get uh, don't get upset. But let's call it for what it is. That roster, the retention, I mean, it was, it changed so much. Players were coming in left and right, and it didn't mesh well. So it's not saying that, because, again, Beamer's done a tremendous job from the, with the transfer portal in his first two seasons here. And with NIL now, you know, it certainly you have to be naive not to believe that players aren't going places, you know, because of money, that money doesn't play a role. But going back to the whole point of what this individual was saying is that shouldn't be the deciding factor, right? That shouldn't be the, the deciding factor. Xavier says that tweet even made the SEC podcast. Yep. I saw that. SEC podcast low key doesn't like South Carolina. They're Tennessee homers. I've been on their podcast before. I don't have a, I, I can't say I follow everything that they post. So maybe you guys know better than me. I think we were trying to click on the same comment there, Mike. Let's see what happened. Again, them caught up. UNC main uh, transfer wide receiver might not be able to play game one. That is correct. Right now, he has been ruled ineligible by the NCAA. I think he was recently just named to one of the preseason watch lists, actually for best wide receiver. So that would be a huge loss for the Tar Heels. Mac and Dino Podcast, again, I kind of want to know why most media members' favorite saying for South Carolina is that we will improve, but our record won't show it. I think looking at our figured uh, at our figured things – oh, I figured things out against our best opponents – 
I think the it's cons, it's consistency and the unfortunate reality, which is South Carolina is going to be judged on how they've done things historically. And that's why, too, we're talking about the coaches poll. I, I don't think South Carolina fans should get too upset about being on the outside looking in. If anything, I think it's a pretty fair spot for them to be at that 27th spot. Now we could sit here, we can nitpick about certain teams and be like, you know, why is AM in front or this or that, right? But it goes back to the whole point of South Carolina. Anytime they have took a step forward, at least big picture, right? Obviously, I'm not talking about the 2010 period and those three years of the Black Magic season. But anytime they've took a step forward, they've quickly took a step back. And you look back to Will Muschamp's tenure here. That third season is when things got turned on its head. I mean, it really went sideways quickly. I don't think this program is anything close to where that was. But my point being is, and it's not fair to Shane Beamer, it's not fair to these players because they weren't part of those programs. But because of that, I also think it plays a role because this isn't just media members that are voting this. These are the other coaches across college football. I mean, let's make sure we, we, we're, we're, we're on the same page here. This is other coaches in college football. So this is there's a stigma with South Carolina football. And until you consistently win, until you consistently beat the Kentuckys, until you consistently beat the Tennessees and get back on a winning note with Florida, or finally beat Missouri in recent years, until you can do that, there's going to be this notion that USC – It's a good feel-good story. Man, they're taking a step forward, but can they continue to head in the right direction? I feel like this team can get to seven, eight wins. I feel like in the regular season, I feel like this team is heading in the right direction, but there's going to be that perception from a national standpoint just because, oh, we've seen this song and dance before from South Carolina. And again, That's not fair to Beamer. That's not fair to these players because they weren't part of those programs in years past. But that is just the the perception right now of USC. That is part of the reason why Beamer was hired, to come here to change that perception. You think that's fair, Joe? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Perception is everything in today's college football. And I think, obviously, preseason rankings are purely based on perception. So I I really wouldn't look into it until ball starts – being played I think that's why I mean South Carolina is just being underrated because historically they haven't been great like Mike was saying to put it shortly um but yeah I mean perception is it's big and I mean change changing it for sure you're here in South Carolina more on a national standpoint but I mean preseason rankings aren't anything you find out who a team is two three four weeks into a season yeah and again but look South Carolina wins week one they're going to be in the top 25 I mean, that's the beauty about being able to play one of the marquee matchups of week one, especially that Saturday, because that will be the biggest game on Saturday. And then I think yep. Florida State and LSU play on Sunday, which is going to be the game of the week. But at least on Saturday, everyone across the country, people that don't even pay attention to South Carolina, because it's going to be the game of the day, national television game, People are going to be paying attention to that. And if you want to send a statement that this is not South Carolina from the past five, six, whatever, how many years you want to go back, 
that this is a program that has took those steps forward and are ready now to turn that page to continue to get to a level where maybe in a year or two we're talking about this team making a deeper push, whatever that may be. And, of course, as we know, the college football playoff, that's going to be changing. 12 teams, SEC, the landscape of that's changing. Bye-bye divisions. Yep. So, obviously, a lot's going to be changing around them. Matt so, Gambino make a good point here with um, an OC knowing how to get our best players the ball without screens the whole game will definitely give us a boost. Yeah, I agree. I think if Dallas play calling is anything it's been hyped up to be, um, you're going to see that boost go go up. I think all the uncertainty with the whole Satterfield situation and just not having an offense, a large part of last year is playing into that perception. So if Dowell can squash those early, I mean, you're going to see South Carolina run up the rankings. Even if you lose to a Georgia or a Tennessee early on in the year, you're still going to see them hanging around if offensive production is there. And the other point too, that they bring up Macadino, you're crushing it tonight, but I don't think we necessarily need a leading SEC rusher, but we need someone that can get four to five yards, right? I, that's the biggest thing is, and we've been talking about that on the last, what, the last couple of weeks, Joe, yeah. is that this isn't the 1980s anymore. This isn't the 1990s. You don't need necessarily a running back that's going to be carrying the ball 25 plus times a game. And I know that there's always going to be outliers out there across the country. You might have that running back in the SEC somewhere or the Big Ten, wherever. You might find that running back that's running the ball 25-plus, 30 times a game. All South Carolina needs is they need to be able to find the way just to get positive yards when they need to. I mean, that's 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 the name of the game, right? That's the yep. name of the game. Just continue to move the ball forward. And as we mentioned before, the offensive line, yes, it plays a big, big, big part of that. No question about that. But if they're able to get some help up on the perimeter, whether that be from the tight ends, whether that be from the wide receivers – if this team is physical on the perimeter because of the speed they have, and that's not to say that Joyner can't run between the tackles. I mean, he's practically run every hole that you can imagine from a football standpoint, right? I mean, outside, inside, just because of all the different positions he's played. But you look at, okay, Juju, Joyner, again, Nick Harbour, Jet Sweep, Eddie Lewis perhaps, Marion Brown. Eddie Lewis is fast. They have so much speed that whether it be a run, whether it be a short pass, screen, whatever, that's an extension of the run game. And if they can continue to be as physical as what we've seen so far in practice, the questions about the run game, I'm not saying it's going to go bye-bye completely. Yeah. But it's going to, It's again, kind of using that comparison to make up, it will help cover up some of those blemishes. Yeah. So again, bottom line is this. This South Carolina team could talk about the O-line, no question about it, and I will. I'll talk about the O-line all preseason. This team could be a very physical one on the perimeter when it comes to blocking, and if they can do that, that's going to give this running back room a much-needed, a much-needed boost. Just got to stay away from penalties out on the perimeter, holding anything. Yep. Just got to stay clean on the perimeter. That's how you do it. Good question from Ross here. Honest question. These blue bloods, quote unquote, always get a positive benefit of the doubt while others get a negative benefit of the doubt. Do you think, what do you think USC has to do to have that perception flipped? Great question. And I mean, I've, I've seen it growing up, obviously in South Bend, Notre Dame always gets the benefit of the doubt come to preseason rankings. I was going to bring it up last season. I don't think Notre Dame was nearly as good as they were, you know, perceived to be under Marcus Freeman in, in year one. Um, and so 
for USC to flip it, I'll, I guess I'll, I'll handle this one first. I think they, they have to go out and compete for an SEC championship. I don't think they have – I mean, I think winning one would be great, but I, I think to topple a true blue blood like Georgia or Alabama, you're going to need a lot, a lot, a lot to do that. Um, so I, I think you got to compete for a spot in the SEC championship game for a couple years. I think just in general, I think that perception will be flipped. I think with Justin King and what they're doing and investing in Justin King and the whole creative media department, I think that plays a role um, just because we're seeing the whole landscape of college football change and just in general with the power of social media and how things are perceived. So I think that that also plays a big role, but you got to compete for SEC championships. Win, just simply win. I mean, getting to a level, like you said, competing for an SEC championship, that goes without saying. But I just think continuing to be consistent, right? Finding ways to make sure that you continue to take a step forward. Now, as I mentioned before, and I still haven't decided where I'm going to go either way with this this season, seven wins, eight wins. And I'm not saying that that will be the the most wins they have. Uh, They could get nine. They could find a way to improve – to a point where they're better quicker than I think some people expected them to be. Now there's going to be people out there. I think some people there's nine wins, 10 wins, um, the 10 wins. I don't know what you want. Um, yeah. I'll tell you what, they get the 10 wins. Shoot. I want Watch you to give home. me the, the, the Powerball numbers. Um, regular season. That is yeah. 10 wins in the regular season. I'm not counting a, a bowl win or a bowl loss yeah. when I'm talking about records, but, with this team, with this team, if you're able to just like I said, you gotta continue to to show that consistency by beating a Kentucky. You gotta find ways to beat Missouri. I've mentioned this before. South Carolina should be beating Missouri, right? You look at the standings from the last couple of years, it's not like this is a team that's constantly finishing ahead of you. Okay. Now, of course, I understand things have changed. You got a new coach coming. I'm not talking about from you know a couple of years ago when Muschamps last year were here. The point being is you should be able to beat Missouri. You've been in situations where going into games, whether it be on paper, whether it be spreads, whatever the case may be, it made sense that you would have beat them. For whatever reason, they've been a thorn in the backside of you. Kind of like Kentucky was for a while. And Kentucky's going to be better this year. Kentucky's Kentucky's loading up. It's going to be a tough challenge, even though they're coming here this year. So I say that because that's what you need to do. You need to find ways to beat those teams, right? And then we're not even talking about the Floridas, the Tennessees. Yeah, you beat Tennessee last year. Got to do it again. Florida, got to get back to beating them, right? And then... Shoot, starting the following season, there's not even any divisions anymore. Yep. So now it makes it even that much more complicated for you. But the point being is the teams that you have struggled to beat, you have to find ways. I mean, there's no magic formula. And if you're able to do that, that will help change the perception of South Carolina. Does that mean people are going to be looking at USC each year saying, man, that's a team that's going to you know, have a chance to win the SEC? No. No, but at the same time, too, you keep taking baby steps forward. People are going to look at you and be like, all right, well, South Carolina is a team at least we can look at and say we know what we're going to get out of them. They're not going to be a team that will finish with less than seven wins. You know, they could be a win, the team that wins eight, nine, maybe even ten. 
I'm talking about the future here. That's yeah. how you change the perception, though. Yeah, hundred percent. I agree completely. And it, again, I think the creative media aspect definitely plays a role. I think doesn't hurt. And that, that you're so far going back to talk about SEC, Mike. I don't want to go too long here, but that was actually one thing that he brought up, yeah. and how he feels like South Carolina was at the forefront of that because yeah, of someone like that's Justin why, King. And teams are trying. Others programs are trying to catch up to that now. Yeah. And that's that, that big profile piece. If you haven't read it, I've got it linked um, to my Twitter. Um, but that's that's why that big profile piece made sense. I mean, he is leading the way for collegiate athletics and it's just such a developing space. So I think by investing in that, it's certainly paying off. And we're seeing that by Shane being able to, you know, kind of have fun with it too. Um, just, you know, having fun with just walking into the creative media office and just not knowing what the hell you're going to do next. Um, I think is huge. So the buy-in there is pretty big. But question from Kevin, any new word on the development around Willie B? I'm seeing kind of looking into the stadium, some of the padded back chairs. I think it's in the visiting side end zone. Yeah, um, I think he's talking about the – Yeah. Yeah. I haven't – I mean, I haven't gone in the stadium yet um, for this year, but – We'll see if we can get an update over the next week or so. But uh, I'd be lying to you if I said that's something that's been on the front yeah. of my mind. Question from Ross. Also, one last question. Why don't we have our NIL collectives joined forces? What is your opinion? What's better for our program? Multiple NIL groups or one single? One. I think one. Yep. And I think at some point, I, I do feel like at some point down the road, Garnet Trust and Carolina Rise will come together. Because it just makes too much sense. It makes too much sense. Um, bottom line is both organizations are trying to do the same thing. They're trying to look out in the best interest of the student athletes. And, you know, I have some additional thoughts on how, you know, at times I feel like they they are different. Um, but I feel like at some point, at some point they need to come together. At some point, they need to come together. And, you know, what Carolina Rise is doing, it's awesome. I mean, it's awesome. You know, they've they've been able to help out a lot of student-athletes. I've been able to get to know the Garnet Trust side a little bit better. They've done a lot. And there's a lot of people out there that are trying to contribute in some shape, way, or form. We've talked about Cox by 90, Jeff O'Hare, and what him and Steve Tannehill are doing at the CB18 bar. And they have some ideas that are going to be rolling out over the next couple weeks that are going to be massive, that are also going to be able to help Garnet Trust. Um, and hopefully by next Tuesday when we have our show, we'll be able to share that. Bottom line is I can't say it right now because there's some logistics that go into everything, especially since it's not my bar, um, that we got to just make sure that they're good on. But there's going to be there's going to be some things, though, in the near future, I feel like that will hopefully get those two collectives on the same page. Yeah. Certainly needs to be one. You you want one consented effort. They're both doing good things, like you said. Um, and imagine if they did join forces. And that's Mac. And that's Mac, you yeah. Know, Mac and Dino have been killing it tonight. Um, I I try and I. It's not my place to say it, but that's what I feel like it is. Yep. Yep. I I have a lot of respect for the guys over at the Big Spur. I really do. Um, Likewise. That's why I don't want to make it seem like that. But, I mean, at, at times I feel like, again, this is just the perception. This is not me. So when someone goes back, 
clips this up and sends it to someone. This is just not my, just my opinion. This is the thoughts out there that it's just becoming a dick measuring contest between two websites. And that's not what it should be. Um, and what they've been able to do has been good. And what Garnet Trust has been able to do is good. But like you said, it's the reality of it. You have two very passionate fan bases for both websites. I have no issues with the guys over at the Big Spur. I, I have call a lot of them friends. I think they do a tremendous job. Oh, yeah. And that's why I hope at some point, and again, Garnet Trust is kind of going off to a to a point where it's not, I wouldn't say it's not affiliated with Gamecock Central. Obviously, it started with Brian Shoemaker. But my, my whole point being is it's it's bigger than Gamecock Central, right? And Carolina Rise, that's bigger than the Big Spur. My whole point being is their main goal is to make sure that the student athlete is taken care of. That's why I think at some point, and I hope at some point, they're able to come come together. And this is someone that would consider himself an outsider when it comes to the Carolinas, right? I've been down here for the last eight something years. I know I work at Gamecock central, but just looking at it as an outsider, what makes sense? But um, again, that is just the thoughts that I've got from people around town. And I've tried to tell them, I say, look, I think what the people at Carolina rise are doing is, is tremendous. Um, I know some of the people over there and I think they're working their, their butts off. I also know what some of the guys over at Garnet Trust are doing, and they're working hard as well. And uh, I think if you're able to get both collectives at some point on the same page, it could be massive for South Carolina. And I think it would stop a lot of the, okay, you know, we're pulling for this one because of this website, because that's not what it should be. That's not what it should be, in my opinion. Yeah, well said. Anything else before we wrap things up here? Nope. I mean, obviously, watch the defensive end room. Um, we're not going to get anything on that until action actually starts. So um, I'm excited for the kickoff party on the 19th. It's going to be a lot of fun. No, it's going to be awesome. And then if you want to be able to head on down to uh, Steel Hands this week and just for sake of, I don't know, want to just get out of the house, you want to have a couple cold ones, the Steel Hands training camp is set for this weekend. And what that is is – an event where you have former Gamecock players come back, football players and former Clemson football players come back, and they compete head-to-head, different drills. you got the keg toss. You have different relays. It's a great event. Raises money for Camp Cole, it's a, which is an amazing organization, which I know so many people throughout South Carolina know, but if you don't, they help a lot of kids out who have cancer and just people that are going through tough times right now you know, from, a, from a health standpoint. So, I would uh, recommend checking it out. It's the third annual. It's always a great time. But as Joe said, the following week, it's going to be an awesome time. The Gamecock Central kickoff party. It's going to be a lot of fun. Sandstorm, the Garnet Trust NIL beer. That Boston accent keeps slipping out. Beer. Uh, NIL beer will be debuted. And uh, if you didn't have an opportunity to try it out at the CB18 opening a week ago, it was it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I think it's, yeah. Uh, if you want to, if you're going to be bringing some of those cans home with you, I'd advise to uh, get there early. Cause I have a feeling they're going to sell out quickly of that stuff as far yeah. as cans go. But um, that's going to be a great event. Great event. Joe, appreciate it, buddy. If you've missed our program, you can head on back to the Gamecock central YouTube page and watch it in its entirety. We had a long one tonight. Poor intern. Joe, he texted me before and I got a hard out time, but he's committed to all of you. 
So go back, watch the show if you missed any of it. If you're a podcast listener, head on over to where you listen to all your Gamecock Central podcasts. Appreciate you guys tuning in tonight. We'll do it again next Tuesday.